This is Recovery Support with Kevin Bergen, brought to you by CCRG, the Center for Counseling, Recovery, and Growth. Do you ever get hooked into a negative thought about yourself and your mind just won't seem to let go of it? So much of addiction is rooted in thinking. Remember the AA aphorism, stinking thinking? More than that, addiction is itself a brain disease. AA has referred to alcoholism as a disease from its earliest days. And now, according to specialists like Dr. Kevin McCauley and Dr. Harry Hartunian, we know how it's a disease and where in the brain it's a disease. Your mind gets stuck. Those thoughts of, a drink would sure be nice right now, or just one cigarette would be okay, or just one hand of blackjack. They each take root in the midbrain, and you just can't seem to let it go, much like that little piece of cellophane that sticks to your hand with static electricity, no matter how much you try to drop it or remove it or shake it off. Today, I'm going to return to the writing of Russ Harris and his very important book, The Happiness Trap. A few episodes ago on recovery support, we covered his ideas about letting go of the struggle. Listen to the episode called The Struggle Switch. Today's selection suggests how you might approach those thoughts that won't let go. And these thoughts may be more than urges to use or drink or act out. Maybe your intrusive thought is a worry that sets your anxiety alight. Maybe it's a memory or a flashback from a trauma that you've suffered. In any case, I want you to pay close attention to the approach that Mr. Harris so skillfully sets forth. While it's very simple, and it's been right in front of you all your life, it's a very different way of looking at things, so to speak. You'll understand that pun after today's reading. Today's reading will include a couple opportunities for you to take some action and engage in some exercises. I'll allow time right in the show by leaving silence. Rather than ask you to pause the audio and time yourself, I'll time you. And I encourage you to take the action to participate in the exercises. That is, unless, of course, you're driving a car while you listen, then please take proper precaution that you remain safe. So without further ado, here is Chapter 7 from The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris. Did anyone ever chide you for not listening? And did you ever reply, Sorry, I was somewhere else. Well, if you were somewhere else, then where were you? And how did you get back again? This approach answers these questions by teaching you to recognize two different parts of yourself. The thinking self and the observing self. The thinking self is the part of you that thinks plans, judges, compares, creates, imagines, visualizes, analyzes, remembers, daydreams, and fantasizes. 
A more common name for it is the mind. Popular psychology approaches such as positive thinking, cognitive therapy, creative visualization, hypnosis, and even neuro-linguistic programming all focus on controlling the way your thinking self-operates. This is all great in theory, and it appeals to our common sense. But as we've seen, the thinking self is just not that easy to control. Again, it's not that we have no control. After all, throughout this book, we look at many ways to think more effectively. It's just that we have much less control than the experts would have us believe. The observing self is fundamentally different from the thinking self. The observing self is aware, but does not think. It's the part of you that's responsible for focus, attention, and awareness. While it can observe or pay attention to your thoughts, it can't produce them. Whereas the thinking self thinks about your experience, the observing self registers your experience directly. For example, if you're playing tennis and you're truly focused, then all your attention is riveted on that ball coming toward you. This is your observing self at work. You're not thinking about the ball. You're observing it. Now, suppose thoughts start popping into your head like, I hope my grip's correct. I'd better make this a good hit. Or, wow, that ball is moving fast. That's your thinking self at work. And of course, thoughts like this can often be distracting. If your observing self pays too much attention to those thoughts, then it's no longer focused on the ball and your performance will be impaired. How often have you been focused on a task only to be distracted by a thought like, I hope I don't screw this up. Or suppose you're watching a magnificent sunset. There are moments when your mind is quiet, when you're simply noticing the spectacle before you. This is your observing self at work. Observing, not thinking. But those silent moments don't last long. Your thinking self kicks in. Wow, look at all those colors! This reminds me of that sunset we saw on vacation last year. I wish I had my camera. And the more attention your observing self pays to the running commentary of the thinking self, the more you lose direct contact with that sunset. Although we all understand words like awareness, focus, and attention, most of us in the Western world have little or no concept of the observing self. As a result, there is no common word for it in the English language. We only have the word mind, which is generally used to denote both the thinking self and the observing self without distinguishing between the two. To reduce confusion, whenever I use the word mind in this book, I'm referring only to the thinking self. When I use terms like attention, awareness, observing, noticing, and direct experience, I'm referring to various aspects of the observing self. As I progress, you'll learn how to tune in and use this amazingly potent part of you. Let's start right now with a simple exercise.
close your eyes for about a minute and simply notice what your mind does. Now, before you do it, stay on the lookout for any thoughts or images as if you were a wildlife photographer waiting for an exotic animal to emerge from the undergrowth. If no thoughts or images appear, keep watching. Sooner or later, they'll show themselves. I guarantee it. Notice where those thoughts or images seem to be located. In front of you? Above you? Behind you? To the side of you? Or within you? Once you've done this for a minute, open your eyes again. And that's all there is to it. You'll close your eyes for about a minute and simply notice what your mind does. Go ahead. What you experienced were two distinct processes going on. First, there was the process of thinking. In other words, some thoughts or images appeared. Then there was the process of observing. That is, you were able to notice or observe those thoughts and images. It's important to experience the distinction between thinking and observing because as the book goes on, we'll be using each process in different ways. So try the above exercise once more. Close your eyes for about a minute. Notice what thoughts or images appear, and notice where they seem to be located. Go ahead. Hopefully this little exercise gave you a sense of distance between you and your thoughts. Thoughts and images appeared, then disappeared again, and you were able to notice them come and go. Another way of putting this is that your thinking self produced some thoughts, and your observing self observed them.
reminder to those with your own struggles. On a future show, I plan to address listeners' ideas, questions, and experiences. Call now with a point you'd like me to address on the show or a question you have. You can now call 310-697-8893 and leave a recorded message. I'd love to hear from international callers, too, and you'll need to first dial the exit code from your country, which for most countries is 00. So from outside the U.S., dial 001-310-697-8893. thinking self is a bit like a radio constantly playing in the background. Most of the time it's the radio doom and gloom show, broadcasting negative stories 24 hours a day. It reminds us of bad things from the past. It warns us of bad things to come in the future. And it gives us regular updates on everything that's wrong with us. Once in a while it broadcasts something useful or cheerful, but not too often. So if we're constantly tuned into this radio, listening to it intently, and worse, believing everything we hear, then we have a surefire recipe for stress and misery. Unfortunately, there's no way to switch off this radio. Even Zen masters are unable to achieve such a feat. Sometimes the radio will stop on its own accord for a few seconds, or even very rarely a few minutes but we just don't have the power to make it stop unless we short-circuit it with drugs, alcohol, or brain surgery. In fact, generally speaking, the more we try to make this radio stop, the louder it plays. But there's an alternative approach. Have you ever had a radio playing in the background, but you were so intent on what you were doing that you didn't really listen to it? You could hear the radio playing, but you weren't paying attention to it. In practicing diffusion skills, we're ultimately aiming to do precisely that with our thoughts. Once we know that thoughts are just bits of language, we can treat them like background noise. We can let them come and go without focusing on them and without being bothered by them. This is best exemplified by the Thinking your mind technique in chapter 5. An unpleasant thought appears, but instead of focusing on it, you simply acknowledge its presence, thank your mind, and return your attention to what you are doing. So here's what we're aiming for with all these diffusion skills. One, if the thinking self is broadcasting something unhelpful, the observing self need not pay much attention. The observing self can simply acknowledge the thought, then turn its attention to what you're doing here and now. And two, if the thinking self is broadcasting something useful or helpful, then the observing self can tune in and pay attention. This is very different from approaches such as positive thinking, which are like airing a second radio show, radio happy and cheerful, alongside radio doom and gloom, in the hope of drowning it out. It's pretty hard to stay focused on what you're doing when you have two radios playing different tunes in the background. 
Notice, too, that letting the radio play on without giving it much attention is very different from actively trying to ignore it. Have you ever heard a radio playing and tried not to listen to it? What happened? The more you tried not to hear it, the more it bothered you, right? The ability to let thoughts come and go in the background while you keep your attention on what you're doing is very useful. Suppose you're in a social situation and your mind is saying, I'm so boring. I have nothing to say. I wish I could go home. It's hard to have a good conversation if you're giving all your attention to those thoughts. Similarly, suppose you're learning to drive and your thinking self is saying, I can't do it. It's too hard. I'm going to crash. It's hard to drive well if your observing self is focused on those thoughts rather than on the road. Recovery support with Kevin Bergen is made possible by CCRG, the Center for Counseling, Recovery, and Growth. Visit us at centercrg.com and by Guy Stuff at CCRG where counseling and coaching, including online video coaching, is made comfortable for men. GuyStuffCenter.com The following technique will teach you how to let your thoughts pass on by while you keep your attention on what you're doing. Take 10 deep breaths as slowly as possible. You may prefer to do this with your eyes closed, unless, of course, you're driving. Now focus on the rise and fall of your rib cage and the air moving in and out of your lungs. Notice the sensations as the air flows in, your chest rising, your shoulders lifting, your lungs expanding. Notice what you feel as the air flows out, your chest falling, your shoulders dropping, the breath leaving your nostrils. Focus on completely emptying your lungs. Push out every last bit of air, feeling your lungs deflate and pause for a moment before breathing in again. As you breathe in, notice how your belly gently pushes outward. Now let any thoughts and images come and go in the background as if they were cars passing by outside your house. When a new thought or image appears, briefly acknowledge its presence, as if you were nodding at a passing motorist. As you do this, keep your attention on the breath, following the air as it flows in and out of your lungs. you may find it helpful to silently say to yourself, thinking, thinking, whenever a thought or image appears. 
Many people find this helps them to acknowledge and let go of the thought. Give it a try, and if it's helpful, keep doing it. From time to time, a thought will capture your attention. It'll hook you and carry you away so that you lose track of the exercise. The moment you realize you've been hooked, take a second to notice what distracted you. Then gently unhook yourself and refocus on your breathing. I'm going to give you a minute to continue. So how did that go? Most people get hooked up and carried away by their thoughts several times during that exercise. This is how thoughts typically affect us. They reel us in, pulling our attention away from what we're doing. So although we may say that our mind wanders, this isn't accurate. In reality, it's our attention that wanders. By regularly practicing this technique, you'll learn three important skills. One, how to let thoughts come and go without focusing on them. Two, how to recognize when you've been hooked by your thoughts. And three, how to gently unhook yourself and refocus your attention. When practicing this technique, notice the distinction between your thinking self and your observing self. The observing self focuses on the breath, while the thinking self chatters away in the background. Notice also that this is an acceptance strategy, not a control strategy. We aren't trying to avoid or get rid of unwanted thoughts. We're simply allowing them to be there, to come and go as they please. Fortunately, this is an easy technique to practice because you can do it anytime, anywhere. Therefore, aim to practice this exercise throughout the day while you're stuck at traffic lights, waiting in line, on hold on the telephone, waiting for an appointment during commercial breaks on the TV, and even in bed last thing at night. Basically, try it anytime you have a moment to spare. If you don't have time for the full 10 breaths, even three or four can be useful. In particular, try it any time you realize that you're all caught up in your thoughts. When you're doing this technique, it doesn't matter how many times you get hooked. Each time you notice it and unhook yourself, you're getting more proficient at a valuable skill. When doing this technique, let go of any expectations. 
Simply notice what effect it has when you do it. Many people find it quite relaxing, but don't regard it as a relaxation technique. When relaxation occurs, remember it's merely a beneficial byproduct, not the main aim. Obviously, enjoy it when it does occur, but don't come to expect it, or sooner or later you're bound to be disappointed. Have you taken time to leave a five-star review of the show in the iTunes store? Your comments will go far in helping to spread this material to others in recovery who need the support. Please go to the iTunes store and search for Recovery Support and leave a five-star review. That will push the show up in ratings and help to reach that isolated man or woman who's not sure how they can get out of their addiction. designed the above brief exercises for busy people who say they don't have enough time in the day to do formal diffusion practice. However, not enough time is just another story. So here's a challenge for you. If you really want to get good at this, then as well as doing all those brief exercises, put aside five minutes twice a day to practice focusing on your breath. For example, You may do five minutes first thing in the morning and five minutes during your lunch break. During those times, keep your attention totally on your breath while letting your thoughts come and go like passing cars. And each time you notice your attention has wandered, gently refocus. Also, if you haven't already tried it, then try silently saying to yourself, thinking whenever a thought appears. Some people find this very helpful, but if you don't, then don't bother. Your mind will never stop telling you unpleasant stories, at least not for long. That's just what minds do. So let's be realistic. The fact is, you will get hooked up and reeled in by these stories again and again. That's the bad news. The good news, you can make dramatic improvements. You can learn to get hooked much less often. You can learn to recognize much faster when you've been hooked, and you can learn to get much better at unhooking yourself. All these abilities will help you to keep out of the happiness trap. As for the observing self, we've only just begun to scratch the surface. The observing self is a very powerful ally in transforming your life, and we'll return to it many times in later chapters. What did you think of today's reading? Or should I say, what did you observe? Can you see why I presented this idea on the podcast today? Thinking or struggling with thoughts is such a core component of addiction that addressing it is primary in anyone's recovery. Take this to the next level. Practice what you've heard today. 
With practice, you'll become more adept at it, and your recovery will take on new light and purpose. Until next time when you join me here on Recovery Support with Kevin Bergen, make yours a happy recovery.